0: What you might walk away with tonight is I'm going to learn more about creation. I'm going to study astronomy. I'm going to study biology. I'm going to study, you know, the the world that God has made. Because as I do, one of the promises you're going to see is that you will see in that the glory of God. I mean, you just study things. I mean, I I know some things is connected with the Bible. Like, for example, if you were to study uh, a sheep. You know, and just look at the way that sheeps function with their shepherd. You're going to learn something about our relationship with God, you know. Or if you were to look at the moon, uh, that's a reflection of the sun. And you're going to see Philippians 2. It talks about that. Some things, when you study creation, uh, it's connected to the Bible. You know, you study the lion and the way that the lion, you know, attacks a a flock or the stragglers. There's, There's a lot of things in there that you could learn, that we can learn spiritual lessons from. You know how you just take a, a seed and you put it in the ground and, you know, the way that, you know, you cover it, you give it that, you know, water and everything that it needs and it grows. You know, um, uh, today I was reading about how the Lord looks for fruit. And, uh, and so, you know, I was just checking out my own life. I was like, okay, Lord, when you look at my life, you're looking for fruit, you're not looking whether or not I'm serving in the ministry per se because some people they cast out demons supposedly and they, you know, they do altar calls supposedly and they're involved in ministry and they never knew you. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking for fruit. What's fruit? Fruit is love. What's love? Love is when you're, you know, seeking someone else's highest good even if they uh, they don't like you, even if they're mean to you, you love them. That's what God's looking for. So all that to say, and the Lord ministered to me, he said, Manny, you know, you better be careful because it's not just about whether or not, you know, you're a pastor. It's whether or not you're a lover. And And so, you know, you walk down the street and you look at the trees and you see the fruit and... Some of those trees, you know, the fruit's really small or the oranges are sour or just different things like that. You know, you learn through creation. Some things are explicit in the Bible, um, the stars. I mean, we can go on and on, right? Other things like my wife and I were talking in our walk today about, and this is something that I know most of you have probably heard t- before, but we were talking about how when you, were, when you were to watch a caterpillar and the caterpillars in the cocoon, and then, you know, as that, that caterpillar, it's ugly, huh? But then it's being transformed into a butterfly. And then what happens is that when that caterpillar, when it's time to break out, it starts struggling. It starts struggling in the cocoon until, you know, you see it. And so if you were to swa- see that, yeah, that whole thing take place, if you, not, if you weren't really careful, you might go over there, and you might open it, oh, poor little, you know, butterfly. And you open it up to help it out. And in the process, you would destroy it because in the struggle to get out of the cocoon, the the butterfly develops a strength that needs to fly. And you you learn lessons in life. Don't get in the way of what God's trying to do. These are spiritual truths. Uh, All that to say this, you guys, study creation. Study. There's lessons everywhere. And what we see right here in Psalm chapter 19, it says that when we look at the the heavens, it declares the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. You know, it's not an accident. It's actually brilliant. It's God's handiwork, right? It's not a mindless mess. It's actually a message message. And when you look at the heavens, and of course we know that's talking about our skies, our atmosphere. But then on and on and on, you know, we look up and we realize, you know, in our galaxy alone, the Milky Way galaxy, there's a hundred billion stars. Um, but you know, as you continue to look beyond our galaxy, then from what I understand, they used to they, scientists used to believe there were a hundred billion galaxies. Now they've upped that number to two. To 10 trillion galaxies. Think about that. So there's, there's 100 billion stars in our galaxy and there might be 10 trillion galaxies out there and God God spoke it all into existence. And so as you're studying these things I don't know about you but when I think about wow God made that I just think wow he's an Awesome God, right? I mean, you know, imagine how many stars there are. I don't know for sure, but there, you know, some of them are like our sun. Scientists say that many are even greater than our sun. And you just look at our sun, as close enough to know a little bit about it 27 million degrees in Fahrenheit at its core, able to warm us up in just eight minutes, even though it's 93 million miles away. You know, and, and, the, and the first verse of the Bible it points to the universe that God made. And how he spoke it all to existence by the power of his word. And by the way, he did it from nothing. The Hebrew word bara means that he didn't have material prior to that. He just did it by the power of his word. And so as we open our eyes to the glory of creation, our eyes are then open to the glory of God. And it tells you a little bit about his power and the, the bottom line is when we look at the stars and the galaxies, we look up and into the deep blue sky, or maybe even the white poofy clouds, I don't know about you, the moon, the, which is God's nightlight, right? Um, what, what is all that? It's the heavens hollering at us. It's the skies speaking to us how God is so glorious. And that's why we have to open our eyes and we have to open our ears. Look again, if you would, at verse 2. It says, Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. So the heavens declare the glory of God, and you might wonder, well, how often does he do it? And the answer is, every single day, and every single night there. The skies, the stars, the space is screaming, the heavens are hollering. You know, God is revealing, giving us a glimpse of his glory. You know, I don't know if you learned this about the Lord just yet, but I I pray that we would tonight. He really does talk to us every single day. He talks to us every single night, you know, but we have to look up. We have to listen up. Because if you look up and and listen up, you'll grow up. He wants to speak to us every single day, you know. The Bible says in Luke 19.47 that Jesus taught daily in the temple. And I think about the manna that came down every day when they were in the desert. Or I think about... The Lord's Prayer, even the model prayer, it says, Give us this day our daily bread. And that's not just, you know, physical bread. I think it's God speaking to us every day. Proverbs 8.34, it says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. And that's an interesting proverb because it talks about the two things that we're talking about, looking and listening. And I really believe with all my heart that God wants to speak to us every single day because uh, I know about you, but I have a tendency to stray and I need to be reminded every single day. And that's why we read right here day unto day, day after day, every single day and every single night. Lift up your eyes, open your ears, and listen to God speaking to you. You know, I think in one sense, that's how people fall away from the Lord is because one day they wake up and for whatever reason, they get busy, they get their eyes on other things and they're not listening, you know? And then that day turns into two days and before you know it, the world has a way of just swallowing you up and you get so discouraged or you get so busy that you're missing out on the voice of God. You know, God speaks to us every day. He speaks to us every night. It mentions right here that he reveals knowledge. Again, look at verse 2. And night after night, it says, reveals knowledge. You know, And, and so if you go up and look at the stars at night, it reveals his greatness. As one translation puts it, um, they make him known. And so turn over to Isaiah chapter 40, if you would. Because you're like, well, what, you know, what's the lesson there? I look up at the s- stars. You, we can't see that many stars here, huh? I mean, because you know, of the smog or we got too many lights. But when you go out into like Arizona, I remember we went to the Grand Canyon and we w- you know, went uh, a distance there and it was just pitch black everywhere. And then you look up and you see a gazillion stars and you're like, wow, it's amazing, right? And so you're like, okay, what's the lesson in all that? Isaiah here is interesting what he says in Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 26. He, he says, Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number? He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob? And speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. You know, your your what's the lesson? When you look up at, at all the stars, and of course, in these days they would see just a, a gazillion stars, and they would read Isaiah, and Isaiah says that not one is missing; that he spoke them all into existence. He made them, maintains them. He knows their names. And he says, And if that's the way it is with the stars, how much more so with you? You know, and we're here, and we go through whatever the trials that we go through, and we think, man, God, he's not really, you know, my just claim is being passed over. You know, your, my way is hidden from you, God. You don't see the way that my heart is aching and breaking. You don't see me. And God is just saying, look up at the stars. That's a testimony that I do, that I know your name and that I know everything that you're going through and you're right where you belong, that I'm working in your life. Be encouraged by this. By the end of the chapter, it's so cool. He says, not only are you going to walk, you're going to run and you're going to fly when you get your eyes back on the Lord and an understanding of this truth. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth declares His, his, his handiwork, you know? And, and He goes on and He talks day after day, His speech, and night after night, it reveals the knowledge of who God is. It's amazing when you look even at general revelation. You know, so many stars, right? There's a gazillion stars. Did you guys know that? There's a gazillion. And if they're made and maintained to the point that not one is beyond his stare and his care, you know, how much more so you? Because I know what we think. And you guys are, we're the same way. We know, we're thinking there's so many people on planet Earth. There's a gazillion people, you know, and, and so I'm sure that, you know, God's not really paying all that much attention to me. But, but really, theologians say that you've got to understand that the God that, that, that we serve, the God of the Bible, He loves you as if you were the only one to love. That's how much He loves you. And we learn these lessons. You know, I'm not missing on His radar whatever you're going through. He's allowed it. So you've got to get your chin up and you have to look up and... Listen up. Grow up. Back in Psalm 19, he says, There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. And so, you know, just the general revelation is God speaks every day, every night, everywhere. Right? That's what he's saying here. You know, what if we had to translate this general revelation into all the languages of the world? And I think there's 7,000 languages at least. You know, God doesn't do it that way. He has no problem declaring His general revelation to the whole wide world. You know, every tribe, tongue, dialect, and language, every corner, country, continent in the world, the same thing is true. The heavens are hollering. The skies, the stars, they're speaking. Right, about the glory of God, you know verse four here tells us that their message, their line, their voice has gone through all, all the earth, and even it says to the ends of the world, and that might be in the Hebrew language, it might could also be translated to the end of time, how God is speaking, and then in verse five, David kind of hones in on our star, notice what he says which is like a a bridegroom coming out of the chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. And so he compares our son now to a bridegroom, and obviously this is now the closest star for us. It's our star coming out of a chamber. Now this is interesting. I don't know cuz I've read different commentaries and some say that he, the bridegroom is coming out of his chamber to go to the wedding, which is pretty exciting, right? Most of you guys here were you excited when you got married? Hopefully you were, okay? <laughs> it could also mean he's coming out of his chamber after the wedding night. Either way, it's a great joy. It's this it's this amazing, you know, circuit of the sun like a strong athlete, you know, ready to run the race of, of victory, you know, and that's kind of what he sees this the sun as. And and again, we we probably shouldn't read too much into this, other than really the joyful, powerful circuit of the sun, which God has set in motion, right? And and we're so grateful for the sun nowadays. You know, we have lights everywhere, and we have lights on our phone and, and everything, and so it's not as, as huge as it was back then. But back then, I mean, they had little lights, but it's nothing. I mean, they, were, they valued the light of the sun. They valued the heat of the sun, and that's what we see, the, the, the many blessings that our star, which is made by God, brings to us to tend and take care of us every single day of our life. And so, you know, you look at the the creation, and I'm going to share this with you guys because it's important to know. General revelation is uh, in creation and conscience. Okay, so general revelation, creation, and conscience. And that tells you there's a God. It tells you there's a God who made all this, plus inside of you, there's there's a law written on our hearts, according to Romans chapter 2. The Bible says he said eternity in our hearts. So creation and conscience is general revelation, right? We know there's a God and he's an awesome God. He's glorious and we even know we're a sinner. (laughs) That's all from general revelation. But then Psalm 19 takes a turn into what's called special revelation. And look what we read in verse 7 of Psalm 19. He says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And so in these three verses, you have six uh, things the word of God is called, and then it describes what the word of God is, and then it gives to you the benefit or the blessings of the word of God. And so, like I said uh, earlier, this study, in one sense, is just to wet your whistle. Study creation, but especially study the Bible, that you might live it. That's why I think Pastor Chuck was was such an amazing pastor and. That's why I think he loved the Lord so much is because he would read his encyclopedia and then he would read his Bible. And just learning uh, about the creation and learning this special revelation of of who God is and how God is and who He is in Christ. You know, when you look at this uh, section right here, David now transitions something that's interesting. In, In referring to God as El... Now he goes in and he describes God as Yahweh, or it's in our translation, Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Now, L reveals God as being powerful, but Yahweh reveals God as being personal. And and we, we begin now to connect the dots. You know, you can't hide from his love. I mean, it's amazing to me when I think of how this powerful God is so personal to me. But I know He is. You know, we read here, uh, and, I, and I, this is where I can get bogged down. So this is, I, I'm not going to, okay, because I'm going to finish on time tonight. But the next three verses, you can just dive into these. It's amazing. The next three verses, we read about the law of the Lord. In the Hebrew, it's the word Torah. It's perfect, but we're not perfect. But the law is perfect. And what it does, it says right there, it converts the soul. You know, that word right there is an interesting word. It refers to instruction, direction, teaching. It comes from a word that means to shoot an arrow. And so basically what the word of God is, is kind of shooting an arrow with an aim to save us. The law of the Lord is perfect and it converts the soul. This is how people get saved with the message of the Bible, right? And in this case, the perfect word is given with the intention to bring us to perfection positionally in order to experience salvation. And that's why James 1.21, it says, lay, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And we read the same thing in 1 Peter one twenty three that we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives forever. And so the way that it works is so simple. The Spirit of God takes the word of God to conceive a child of God. And and we're going to see the next point is the Spirit of God takes the word of God to conform us into the image of God. This is why it's so important. I just encourage you with all my heart to read your Bibles. You know, uh, w- for me, I have to wake up in the morning. I have to read my Bible. You know, the other day I forgot what happened, but um, I don't know. Uh, somehow I missed it. Oh, yeah, it, was, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't that I missed reading the Bibles. I, I, have to, I teach a Bible college on Wednesday, so I got up and I had to get ready for that. But that's not the same as me in my devotional time. So uh, uh, because I woke up late, I didn't get my devotional time. After I taught the Bible college class, I went home and I said, I can't do anything for me, that was my conviction, until I get into my devotional time with God. And a lot of people, I think the reason they struggle, and I wonder, how could they, how could they struggle? They come to church like, you know, 17 times a week, and they go and they, you know, and they get high, and they get drunk, and they do this, and they do that. It absolutely doesn't make any sense. And then the Lord just he shows me, they're not in the Word. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to the Word? It doesn't take a degree. It's not rocket science, my friend. Open up your Bible, and open up your heart, and get on your knees, and watch what God will do. But I've also learned this and, you know, I just want to make sure that it's clear that it's not just me opening up my Bible and and reading it and saying, "Okay, man, I prayed for an hour and I read my Bible, you know, for an hour and, you know, like some Pharisee. No, I want to live the word. I want to love it and learn it and live it. And so it, it converts the soul And it says right here that it makes wise the simple. Look again at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. That's how people are saved. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And that's me, you know. I'm very, very simple. Now, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily mentally deficient, although I think I am a little bit. Um, This is just someone who is just a childlike individual, and really just humble enough to receive God's truth. And uh, Jesus said that in Matthew eleven twenty five. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to just babes, you know, babies. That's who we are. We're, we're simple, but when we learn the word of God, we actually grow in wisdom. That's why I just want to encourage you, man... You know, I'm blessed that you're here on Thursday night, man. To to me, that's huge. It's an encouragement to me to know that for whatever reason, I think you're here to seek God. But unless you're really doing this on your own, then you're probably going to struggle. And so I was even thinking, if you're here and you're like, man, I don't have a devotional life. I don't know how to do it. Talk to one of us afterwards and we'll put you on a plan, you know, to to just help you in this. Seek the Lord in His Word. We're going to see this whole section right here is about the Word of God. In verse 8, it's referring to the Word of God as statutes. And those are the detailed instructions concerning the practical matters of everyday life. Because like I said, you can dive into this section and you're going to get so much out of it. You know, for the Jews of the Old Testament, this is what they ate, how they dressed, how they kept clean and things like that. And, and when you get detailed with God, what it does is it re- rejoices the heart, right? And that's what happens when we live a life of obedience uh, to the very details of the way that he speaks to us. It brings joy. And, and sometimes when you look at a person, the reason they don't have joy is because they have sin in their life. And God is just saying, it's okay. Let's find out what it is. Let's get right. So that the joy can be restored, right? He talks about the commandments of the Lord, being pure, enlightening in, in the eyes. And this word for in the this translated commandment in the Hebrew language is literally that which is appointed. And and what is that for us? It's God's will for our life. It illuminates my path. One translation even says, insight for living. And it's kind of like, what is God going to speak to me? you know personally these are things that we need his marching orders for us as individuals verse 9 it calls the word of god the fear of the lord and that's an unusual name for the scriptures one words be said but it reminds us that we cannot learn the word of god unless we show reverence and respect for the god of the word and really to teach the bible is to teach the fear of the lord and so He says the fear of the Lord is clean. And so now God begins to clean up our life, right? Morally and ethically, spiritually. And it endures, it says right here, forever. The judgments of the Lord, it says, uh, this refers to the ordinances or verdicts. And throughout the Bible, we see the Lord passing judgment on what people and nations do. And we see his rewards and rebukes and, and punishments. And what the Word of God does is it helps us Understand all those things, and notice again there at the end of verse nine, if you would, it says the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. and And what we see is that in the unity of the Scriptures as a whole, that the full counsel of God it brings both imputed righteousness and imparted righteousness, and that's why I like what uh, Sandy Adams said. And I think it's true in one sense, it takes a whole Bible uh, to make a whole Christian. And so continue reading it, continue studying it. But notice what we read in verse 10. It says, when in light of all this, right, you're learning about the word of God. It says, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold or pure gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb.'" And so here's the thing, right? Knowing what the Word is, knowing now what the Word does, it should really bring us to a place that we desire the Word in one sense more than anything else in the whole world. Because in, in knowing this Word, you're going to know your God and you're going to grow as a you know as a dad as a wife as a husband as a friend as a person. I mean this right here it's all found out more than than money, right? More than gold, more than honey, right? That's what he's saying right here. It brings salvation, it brings sanctification, it brings us to Jesus, it makes us like Jesus. It brings Wisdom to guys that don't have any common sense. So, you know, when we're down in the dumps, it makes us joyful. In a dark world, it gives us light, it's insight for living. That's what the Word of God is. And in light of this powerful and personal God who revealed himself to us, we should want really to dive into that revelation more than anything else. This should be our greatest desire in life. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your word. And I will study it for the rest of my life. You know, David uses money and meals, fortune and food as, as rivals to the revelation because um, those are kind of like the two things that we tend to be consumed with, Right? I mean, it's better than any amount of money or anything that money can buy. It's uh, sweeter than honey or any type of candy except for Almond Joy. That's the only one. I'm just joking. Um, That's what the word is, right? Psalm 119.72, it says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Psalm 119, uh, 127, it says, Therefore I love your commands more than gold, yes, than fine gold. Psalm 119, 103, it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know, how many of you here have a sweet tooth, just out of curiosity, you like sweets? Some of you don't, huh? How many of you more like bread? It's all about bread. Right. So Jesus says in Matthew four, verse four, uh, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Uh, Job even said this in Job twenty three twelve, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And And just at the end of the day. I mean, the way that it is in most of the world that we live in, it's all about money. It's all about making money. You get a job. You get another job. You work overtime. What can I buy? And you start, you know, know, building bigger barns. And God said, you should want the Word. How much time are you in the Word? More than money. Some people, even Christians, they're going to die rich but poor. And when all they had to do was open up the Bible, I was telling Anthony the other day, because he doesn't have a lot of money, you know, in the world, I said, You're rich. You know, and that goes for anyone who's endeavoring to follow the Lord. You know, for us, it's all about money, it's all about food, right? Um, How many of you here? You're thinking about it right now. (laughs) No, come back to the Bible, man. You know, I mean, uh, it's funny how it works. And I know I know how you guys feel because I'm the same way. I am the same way. I love bean and cheese burritos, you know, uh, in and out. I'm thinking of lampposts. Even though I can't eat like I used to. You guys remember the days? Do you guys remember the days when you used to be able to go to Tommy's? How many remember those days? How many of you can't go there anymore? <laughs> you know, but, yeah, I don't know, like... I mean, we eat, and then, you know, even while we're eating breakfast, we're thinking, okay, what's for lunch, you know? And so, I mean, and I think there's something okay about that. I love breaking bread with my family, you know? There's nothing like having dinner with my family. But, you know, good food, things like that. But we should want this more. That's all he's saying. Nothing wrong with making money to, to make a living, to put food on the table and to eat it and to enjoy it, but we should want this so much more than that, right? Let me ask you a question. Would you skip a meal in order to spend time meditating on God's word? Would you come to a marriage fellowship if it wasn't a potluck? Just curious. (laughs) Things to think about, right? Verse 11, notice what we read next. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, he's speaking of the Bible, and in keeping them there is great reward. And that's how important the Bible is. You know, we're we're warned if we don't obey the word and we're rewarded. Now we know we'll be rewarded if we do. You know, and so now we learn how how to go to heaven and not to hell, how to be saved and not damned, how to be rewarded by God rather than disciplined by God. You know, some people, unfortunately, as Christians, they spend their whole life getting spanked by God, and it's almost like you like it. You know, does God need to discipline you your whole life in order for you to grow up and be a, a man of God or a woman of God? No, prayerfully not, right? I mean, this is how we learn how to be rewarded rather than to be disciplined. By his word, I can avoid the wasted life and I can enjoy the blessed life. You see, in this psalm, we have the general revelation of God. We have the special revelation of God. And I'll talk about one more aspect about that in just a second. And then we see, in closing, the salvation of man. Look what we read next. He says, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. You know, what what good would it be? Like the general revelation, God is so powerful. Special revelation, God is so personal. If it didn't bring us to salvation. Salvation. Right. And that's where David closes. Now, you know, how can I know my sins? How can I be cleansed from my sins, from my private sins done in secret, things that I might not even know about the overpowering sins, the ones that seem to have dominion over me? And I think we all kind of have those things that in one sense maybe we're kind of even stuck with. How can I be blameless, he asks. How can I ever be innocent of such great transgression? And David then reveals that forgiveness and salvation and sanctification in all reality, you guys, it's just a prayer away. And that's when he goes into that beautiful passage in verse 14. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. How do you overcome the sin? And the answer is through the sincere cry of the sinner's heart. Right? The one who acknowledges his need for a savior, it's as simple as, As that, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, I'm praying, I'm asking for forgiveness, Lord. Lord, you be my strength because that will then change me and you be my redeemer. I know who you are. I know what you've done because then my sins won't be charged against me. You know, I told you guys, and I wish I could quiz you on this, man. I wish this was a Bible college class. You guys want to do a quiz afterwards, okay? General revelation is creation and conscience. Special revelation is two things also. It is the written word and the living word. And the living word is Jesus. This is how we know like details about God by the Bible, the written word and by the living word right in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word and it's so cool he became flesh and dwelt among us and what we find is that this is how we're saved our redeemer has come you know unless we have that personal relationship with the Lord so that God is our father and Jesus our redeemer really what we see in creation and what we read in the Bible will not do us much good and I, and I like the, the, the comparison that Warren Wiersbe gave in, um, in, in Matthew chapter 2. He talks about the Magi. And you guys remember the story of the, the Magi, the wise men, how they saw the star? So they started, you know, j- you know, going in the direction of Bethlehem. You know, Daniel had probably given them some writings. And hey, when you see the star, that star, that time you go. And so they went... And then, when they got to Bethlehem, they found out from the scriptures oh he's supposed to be he's supposed to be he's supposed to be born here, and so you got the like the general revelation, the stars, and then you got the special revelation, which is the scriptures, but then what did it lead them to? It led them to jesus right and as and as we come to Jesus, what we find is that he redeems us he's the one that that redeems us from our sins. And I'm going to tell you guys something, and you're probably going to want to throw tomatoes at me, but then hopefully, eventually, um, or maybe one day you won't. You know, the, the sin that we have inside of us, the ick, the yuck, the wickedness, the sin nature, we're, we're going to always have it. You know, we're going to always have it. The, you know, every single day, we're going to stumble. We're gonna fall, we're gonna blow it. we're gonna think something that we shouldn't have thought you know i mean i I don't know about you guys, but man, sometimes i just I just um I just hate who I am because I blow it so much. I mean, I don't verbalize everything because I know better than that, right, but I just know who I really am, and so you know that's something that we're gonna have. Until the day we die. And so you're like, well, then who, what hope is there? What hope is there? And that's where we come back to what we're talking about today. Our only hope is the blood of Jesus. And his blood really does wash away our sins. And what he says right there at the end, two things that are so important for us that I pray that we would never forget. Um, if you're not a Christian, number one, He's your Redeemer. He's your Redeemer. Number two, if you are a Christian, He's your strength. He's your strength. And those are the two things that we need in life, huh? And so as we close today, I just want to encourage you, number one, to open your eyes to the glory of creation. Number two, open your ears to the glory of His revelation and then number three, open your hearts to the glory of his salvation. That in Christ, by the grace of God, he sees no sin. So keep coming to church. Keep, um, keep believing. I wore this t-shirt on purpose. You guys, you guys thought it was a Dodger t-shirt, huh? It is, kind of, because I like the Dodgers. I think that if you go to church in El I think you should like the Dodgers. That's what I think. (laughs) And the Raiders. That's what I'm thinking. And I know you guys are going to disagree with me on that, man. (laughs) But here's the, at the end of the day, this is, this is what we we have to, we have to be and we have to stay in this place right here. All the days of our life is that we have to be believers. and. Just to get weird, one last analogy. When you're playing baseball, what are you supposed to do? When you're up to bat, keep your eyes on the ball. When you're a Christian, keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen?